been said that Christian music sucks. Not. Hopefully the antidote will dispel that myth. The antidote features bands that range from indie folk to metalcore. So whatever your likes and dislikes are, you're going to be hearing it on the antidote. Joe, Sidney, and The Last Unicorn have left the studio, and now it's time for The Antidote with Dave Hawkins, where we feature artists who present a Christian worldview in their music. What you're hearing in the background is Aurora from the new release, The Story of Our Lives, by The Violet Burning. The Story of Our Lives has to be considered an incredible musical achievement, a total of 34 tracks spread over three records. Tonight is the first part of a two-part tour through The Story of Our Lives. Now, I know that you're never supposed to play only portions of a concept album, but with a runtime of 2 hours and 20 minutes, I've got to be selective. You'll also be hearing segments of an in-depth conversation with Michael Pritzel, frontman of The Violet Burning, where he shares his view on faith, his artistry, the internet, and the band's epic new album, The Story of Our Lives. Let's start where all good things begin. At the beginning, with the song, Where It All Begins, from the first album of the set, The Fantastic Machine.
Michael Pritzel of the Violet Burning has joined the antidote tonight to tell us a little bit about what's happening in the Violet Burning and, of course, what's happening with the new album that's just been released. So, Michael, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be with you guys. It was several years since the last release by the Violet Burning and your new album. What was happening with you and the band during that time? Well, I guess our last studio album was Drop Dead, which came out in 2006. And then in 2008, we released a live CD called Sting Like Bees and Sing, which was uh, fresh after our return from a month-long tour in Europe, which was great. After that, we well, we sort of realized kind of where the uh, where the trend of music was going, I guess, and that's sort of this idea that music and, and art and truth and beauty and these sort of things are all well. Where we live, they're kind of minimized. There's not really a, a high value that's placed on those things, and so we had sort of a, a small come to Jesus meeting, I guess, is what you would call it. <laughs> And it, and really, at that time, we really encouraged each other to push ourselves into being really better musicians. You know, a lot of bands, I think they only practice when they get together as a group. But really, one of the keys to making a great record is, is if you can have each individual person really be excellent on their instrument. And so we encouraged each other to, to work really hard practicing daily. And then we kind of raised the bar on ourselves and said, well, look... A lot of bands, they'll make an EP of five songs that they give away for free in exchange for the currency of an email address or something, as if any of us need more email. And we said, well, let's let's try to push ourselves and let, let's see if we can't make a triple album. Only because in the history of rock music, I think there's only been a few triple albums and... Um, we thought, why not go for it? <laughs> so we did, and we thought, well, if, if we can't get three albums or even two albums worth of great songs, then maybe we can at least come up with ten good songs, and we could kind of go from there. And in the end, we ended up uh, narrowing it down from about 45 songs down to 34, to three-album concept album, told over 34 songs, and it's called The Story of Our Lives.
So as you mentioned, the album's made up of three CDs, 34 songs. So that's quite an accomplishment being able to put that all out. Let's get into disc one of the CD, or of the album, I should be saying. The lyrics on the songs Brother Part 1 and 2 on the Fantastic Machine CD of the set display Brother as being really the embodiment of the negative aspects of our digital society, all of which are vying to control our attention and time. Can you provide some examples of how this occurs? You know, I think that for each of us, our worlds are full of things that are trying to distract us from things that really matter. And, you know, it's it's really a challenge for us. You know, in the history of, of Christianity, there's always been a real place for things like solitude, things like silence. And when you team those things with the other ancient traditions of Bible, of worship, of prayer, uh, mixed with solitude and silence and reflection, then you sort of have this faith that can be really rich and can be really rewarding. And I think the challenge for a lot of us in the culture, whether you have faith or you don't have faith, is that we're constantly distracted by the adverts on the television, the adverts driving down the freeway with the billboards, um, the internet, the Facebook, the text messaging. You know, we all have a phone now attached to our hip. And so there's just this constant machine that's pulling at us and pulling for our attention and pulling for our affections. And so within the fantastic machine, Really, you have a lot of things hidden within it, the the lyrics, the sounds, the illustrations of the artwork, uh, the computer voices, the talking machine voices, all of these things kind of help tell the story. And then the song that you're referencing, there's a song called Brother, B-R-0-T-H-R, and it appears two times. And really, we give away within the images who Brother is. And if you look carefully at the illustrations, you can notice that he's really the imposter. You know, he's got these angel wings that have been strapped onto him. You know, in the history of the the cherubim, you would have these angels that have these sets of wings and they're covered in eyes all over. And the idea that when those of us who pray as we're going through life and we bring our thoughts uh, to our maker, the history of the cherubim is that our desires and our prayers kind of go up, you know, through the cherubim and they're passed through to this holy God. So our affections naturally would pass through this cherubim. But the idea of brother is that he's the the machine, the world machine, and he wants those affections. And so you see him with his giant, massive computer monitor head that's filled with eyeballs and wings that are strapped onto him, you know, because he's this character brother so desires our attentions and affections. Here's Brother from the Story of Our Lives by the Violet Burning, which is followed by Machine Beat Sabbatha. Yeah. 
Now, I understand that during the recording of the story of our lives, you were working at a full-time job and you also took on the responsibility of producing, engineer, and making the album. Now, was that not a stretch for you, you know, not just artistically, but physically as well? Well, yeah, it was. But what's interesting for me is, as I set out to sort of create this story about a character that's sort of trapped in the machine world system that we all are part of, I had the opportunity to go in and take a job uh, working at a factory, which was just filled with machines. And so it was really interesting for me because uh, sometimes I feel like the Lord allows me to go through life experiences that will influence my art. And so this was definitely a, a big influence uh, working, I guess, on average 50 hours, sometimes 60 hours a week um, fixing. They had these sort of antiquated uh, information systems that were from about, not exaggerating, I think they were from 1984. When I was a, a little boy, there was this movie I saw called War Games, and there, Matthew Broderick or someone like that is about to save the world, and he logs onto this computer, and it, and it has like this black screen and these sort of blinking, you know, letters <laughs> flashing at him, and it, it, that was the the sort of uh, information system that they were using uh, for their company, and so myself and a couple friends of mine were working to bring them to a more current uh, system. So as I was writing for the album, I'd be listening on the factory floor, crawling under stuff. It's just the antiquated equipment is bringing it into the artistic realm. You can count on me together. We can make a difference. You are number one. Turn off the radio. The artist now will play for free. Got electric lights staring at Coaxing mediocrity, the glow of my telephone. Brother knows just how to speak to me. Brother is watching every little thing that she did. Brother's gonna make sure that she is the right girl for you. Brother knows where you've been. Brother knows just what you think. just heard brother the lights have gone out from the violet burning
That was Firstborn from the Dead from the first portion of the three-record album, The Story of Our Lives. Now listen in to more of the conversation with Michael Pritzel of The Violet Burning. The, the idea of the fantastic machine is uh, this character goes out, they're born into this system where they don't quite fit, where they don't belong. And as they move through this machine, in the end, they realize that the only way for them um, to leave the machine is to die. And so the album concludes, you know, with the song, which is called Leaving. And it's a mix of mostly human voices along with this reflecting machine voice that are singing to the one who's carried them through this life so far. You know, again, referring to the art as we see the character leaving you see, for me, which is one of my favorite images, the angel holding the now lifeless body of the character and the light that they've carried through this story has fallen to the ground and there they are beyond the gates of death. And so part one, you know, establishes this character and then at the end of part one, <laughs> the character dies. <laughs> so <laughs> it's sort of like, okay, wow, they're dead now. The ability to escape. So black is death, yeah. Exactly. Surely made so be here. 
What are your thoughts on how today's digital society presents truth compared to the divine truth of God? Well, I don't know if it's any different as a digital society from a uh, any sort of society that naturally wants our affections. I think that in the history of man, each of us are, are drawn away by the lust of our eyes, the lust of our flesh, the pride of our lives. And the society that we live in is no different than what it was a hundred years ago or two hundred or a thousand years ago in terms of we all still wrestle with those same core issues within us, you know, whether they're digital or, or whether they're just 
existing within us, you know, I think that that's the interesting thing is that those desires actually are are set somewhere inside of us and how we learn to deal with those things is really a challenge for all of us. I think really all of my intention was with saying it that way was really with the digital age, meaning internet, the wealth of both truth and false truths that are so readily available over the internet and just the range of it that's distributed and I guess on the internet almost forced upon you at times. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I was really influenced by this uh, great book by a Harvard professor and journalist named Nicholas Carr, and it's called The Big Switch. And The Big Switch sort of documents the history of electricity and the history of the internet. And then in the final two chapters, he ties those two things together um, with where we've come as a culture. And really, it's just sort of a, a fascinating documentary of the history of those two things and how they've changed our culture and really where all of these um, corporations that are always constantly needing our attention, needing our money. I mean, even, you know, in America, we have certain um, news uh, services, and some of them will paint themselves as, quote unquote, conservatives. But really, the idea is this sort of sensationalism that we need to watch so that they can sell ad revenues because really they're not in the business of, you know, trying to be our friends and help us. <laughs> they're in the business of, of making money, you know. And so you have this constant barrage of whether it's the, the ideas of, uh, you know, you're lonely and you want to meet someone who's a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend and so you look to an internet dating site, you know, or whether it's the ideas that every keystroke that you and I type you know, if you have Gmail or Yahoo Mail or, or one of these type of services, you're giving them the rights to read your keystrokes. And then as they read it, then they figure out what you're interested in. So if you were emailing with me today and we talked about pianos or a new recording or some mixes that I was doing for you, then you'd start seeing these ads appear about, you know, pianos for sale or uh, guitar strings or check out the new Guitar Center uh, recording gear or you would see this sort of thing and and that the whole idea that our privacy is really truly at risk, not in a uh, kind of conspiracy theory way, but just in the truth of the culture that we live in. Well, in Canada, we're reaching an interesting point because there actually is a new proposed federal bill that's being tried to push through. And really what it's doing is it's allowing police to read private email as it's quoted as, you know, obviously trying to find people doing illegal activities. Yeah, I mean, this is really concerning a lot of people, both uh, conservative and liberal alike, as to the rights and powers uh, that the police can be taking. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how what Parliament feels about that. Yeah, that will be interesting. Yeah.
Maelstrom by The Violet Burning.
the second disc of the story of our lives, Black as Death, the character runs through a wide range of emotions, you know, really reaching the depths of despair in the song Maelstrom. And in many yeah. of the songs, you receive really a glimmer of hope in the brokenness. Why did you feel it necessary to, to portray this emotional range on the second disc of the set? Well, because the part two is continuing the story. At the end of part one, we have our character um, choosing death and choosing to go through the gates of death. And then the first song of, of the second album, Black as Death, is a song called uh, My Name is Night. And it immediately just begins with this sort of heavy anguish crying out song, you know, into Maelstrom, which you've mentioned. And uh, it's because the the whole idea is the story of our lives is this journey. So as this character, now part two is sort of the reflection of the loss, the anguish that we feel when we, not only when we lose loved ones, but when we lose jobs, we finish school and we're not quite sure where to go. You know, you, a relationship or a friendship ends. There's so much in this world that where we experience loss and brokenness. But then as the record begins to uh, turn towards the very end, it explores the ideas that there's really beauty in the brokenness. Just like if you and I traveled to Europe and we saw some of the ruins, you know, in Rome or even in the English countryside, we would see these places that are ruined, they're broken, they're overgrown, and yet we would immediately want to take photos because they're so beautiful. And it's the same idea in our own lives that there's beauty in the brokenness of our lives, that there's splendor within the ruin of it. And Black as Death sort of explores those ideas. At times it almost reminds me of David in the Old Testament crying out to the Lord as he's being put upon by his enemies and then progressing through that. I agree. Historically, as a writer, I've I've always tried to write from a point of my own journey, uh, of from what I relate to. And you know what happens is you end up with these kind of psalms or prayers, and and then it, it reminds people of of the psalms of David or of Moses. And I think we all sort of relate to those things. From just two of the story of our lives, where do we belong? Truth, my love, I followed you into the sun. I followed you, believed it. I know you are the one, and you know I lost everything, and I can't find my way. I follow you. Follow you until I'm done.
You've heard Michael Pritzel of The Violet Burning, who joined The Antidote on the phone a few weeks ago to discuss their new album, The Story of Our Lives. Next week, you'll be hearing the last half of the three-part album and more of the interview. I'm Dave Hawkins. Thanks for listening in to The Antidote, heard through the facilities of producer-driven radio, Trent Radio, 92.7 FM, Peterborough. Stay tuned in for Radio Free Peterborough with the best of local musicians. Well, it's time for me to head home, but I have one final track to finish off with. Rock is Dead by The Violet Burning. <laughs>